0: into a dance piece in Angola. Superstar Yuri Dacuña released a brave and beautiful album with a horrifying story behind
1: it. Ziehye wangi moronga kodewa. Ziehye wangi moronga kodewa. Ziye yo, ziehye wangi moronga kodewa. Ziehye wangi moronga kodewa. Zaloki bak yang gulungwe, bwende gantala niseka. Zaloki bak yang
0: Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Today, music and nation in Luanda. No, not Rwanda with an R, but Luanda with an L, the capital of Angola. Because this is Hip Deep Angola, part one. The first episode of our four-part Hip Deep Radio epic about Angolan music, culture and history. With me today is my long-time colleague, co-author of the book
2: The American Slave Coast, Ned Soblet. Hello, Georges. Who traveled to Angola. Which is not an easy thing to do. To produce four
0: unprecedented, unique, special radio episodes about Angolan music. History and culture. In future episodes of Hip Deep Angola, we'll hear how the streets of 21st century Rwanda communicate by electronic music. We'll visit Mbanza Congo, the sacred home of the powerful Congo Kingdom. And we'll hear about
2: the Cuban intervention in Angola during the Cold War. All told through music, of course. Today we'll listen in on the creation of an Angolan national consciousness from the 40s through the 70s, during the long struggle for independence from Portuguese colonialism. Let's get started with Yuri da Cunha from his album Yuri
0: da Cunha Canta Artur Nunes.
1: Wakini fu mama, gandala mi kungidi la, Izo wakini mama, gandala mi kungidi la, gandala mi kungibanza. Ungori na Kumanga funi jinda, kumanga funi jinda. Isu kingi fu mama, ganda la mikungidi la, mikungibanza, ganda lango we makamba, daniyangi shikile niyani bibile. Dans l'Indie munga sa Munga sa ya hey sa mama, munga sa ya sa Hey sa ya sa mama, munga sa ya sa mama, munga sa ya sa Hey hey Bisou a kikifwa Gada Ganda la mikungibanza, ganda lango makamba, daniangi shiki, le niangi kuimbi le, dani diye pumala sayansi. Kizuaki gifu mama, ganda la mikungidi la, I gimutwa a man whos a man whos a man whos a man whos
0: Remember this song, we'll come back to it. Yuri Dacuña with Kizua Kingifua. I'm Georges Colinet. And I'm Ned Sublett. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. How do we start the story, Ned?
2: Wherever you start, you quickly run into the harsh political realities of the time. In Luanda, I talked to the great guitarist and composer Carlos Vieira Diaz over Sunday brunch at a waterside sports club in the district of Miramar. I asked him about being a musician in Angola in the yeah. 60s and 70s. In the when
3: my father was by Portuguese
2: Carlos began his reminiscence by saying, in 1959, when my father was detained by the Portuguese secret police, I had to turn to music to survive. I went around playing guitar in bars to make a living. The Portuguese secret police? His father was also named Carlos Vieira Diaz, but was known as Liceu, a name that means school. Liceu Vieira Diaz was perhaps the greatest musical hero of Angolan independence. Liceo Vieira Diaz's band, Ngola Ritmos, sang songs in Kimbundu, a language forbidden but not stamped out by the Portuguese, and he was active in the clandestine anti-colonial movement. He was imprisoned for over ten years, much of it in solitary confinement, at the high security Tarrafal prison in Cape Verde, as was another member of the band, Amadeu Amorim. Ned, I think we need a quick basic history here, quick but dense. When we say colonial times in Angola, we mean until 1974 because the Portuguese were the last European colonizers to let their African possessions go. The Portuguese were also the first Europeans to colonize Africa, arriving at the mouth of the Congo River in 1482. They established Luanda in the 1570s as a counter to the regional power of the Congo king in the north. Wasn't Luanda at one time the largest slave port in the world? Yes, with its entire economy dependent on the slave trade. Luanda remained a colonial city for 400 years. In the classic colonialist manner, the Portuguese held on to Angola as a captive market for their products. And to this day, much of the food in the stores in Angola is imported from Portugal, which means food there is very expensive. When neighboring Congo achieved its independence in 1960, things heated up. After armed rebellion exploded in 1961, 15 years of war followed. Portugal's Vietnam, with the Portuguese military bogged down not only in Angola, but in Mozambique and Guinea-Bissau as well. The colonies ultimately became independent not through military victory on the ground, but because there was a coup in Portugal in 1974 by generals tired of prosecuting an unwinnable war. That coup and the speed with which the new Portuguese government cut the colonies loose after that took everyone by surprise.
4: In nome do povo angolano, o Comitê Central do Movimento Popular de Libertação de Angola MPLA. Proclama solenemente, perante a África e o mundo, a independência de Angola.
2: Agostinho Neto declared the independence of Angola on November 11, 1975, and his party, the MPLA, based in Luanda, has been the ruling party ever since. 27 years of Angolan civil war followed,
0: with the vast oil deposits offshore from the Cabinda Enclave as the grand prize. Angola became a crossroads of the Cold War involving the major powers.
2: (laughs) Today, with a population of maybe 8 million people, Luanda is perhaps the ultimate post-colonial city. Independent Angola has only been at peace for 10 years, since 2002. It's the second largest oil producer in Africa behind Nigeria, and petrodollars are fueling a construction boom like nothing I've ever seen before. Angola is transforming at warp speed right now, moving at an incredible pace. Which brings us to our special guest. Our hip-deep Angola advisor, Dr. Marisa Moorman, M-O-O-R-M-A-N. Associate professor of history at Indiana University and author of
0: Intonations, a social history of music and nation in Luanda, Angola,
2: from 1945 to recent times. Which is the book on the subject. Although Marissa Mormon studies music, she's a historian, not a musicologist. And when she first arrived in Luanda in 1997, she was planning to research the Angolan independence movements in popular culture.
5: When I got to Angola, I started to talk to local historians, and people began to say to me that, actually, from the period that the arms struggle began in 1961 until independence in November of 1975, that music had, in fact, been incredibly vibrant and incredibly exciting, and that this was something that hadn't been studied.
2: Angola Ritmos, meaning Angolan rhythms, was an edgy name for a band in colonial times, suggesting, as it did, African nationalism.
5: Liceo Vera Diaz, who was the founder of that band, had traveled throughout the country with his father, who was a civil servant, and he began collecting music and listening to music from many parts of the country. And so they began to then try to transpose these local forms of music onto European instruments or to integrate Angolan instruments like the dikanza.
2: The dikanza is a scraper. <laughs> Or the mm. ungu, and the ungu is a musical bow, the Angolan prototype of the Brazilian berimbau. Gola riddmos popularized the playing of Angolan music on guitar, an instrument Liseo Vieira Diaz had learned in Angola from Cape Verdeans. Their biggest hit was unquestionably Mushima
5: the unofficial Angolan anthem. I think there's not an Angolan that that doesn't recognize it. It's a song about a town outside of Luanda where there's a very famous church that's existed for at least a couple of centuries. Many women go there when they can't conceive. People go there when they have love problems, particularly women, so people make pilgrimages there. And Mushima in Kimbundu means heart. It's the song that Angola Hukumush first played and then has been played I think by numerous other bands And it tells the story about the pilgrimage to this place.
2: You have a verse from this in your book. If you think I'm a witch, take me to Santana. Grab the crazy one and kill him.
5: Santana is another name for Mushima. That would have been the Portuguese name meaning Saint Anna, Santana. So it's one of these stories about people going to Mushima in order to resolve an accusation of witchcraft. And it was a Catholic church, but it's so wrapped up in these kind of local folk tales and local lore that it continues to be a place to go to. You can't get near this place when there's a pilgrimage. It's just busloads of people now go there as well as people traveling on foot. Ned,
0: can we talk about what the native population of Angola was experiencing in the 1940s
2: and 50s? There was an official status of being either assimilado, assimilated, or indígena, indigenous. In order to qualify as assimilated...
5: You had to speak Portuguese, you had to eat with a knife and fork, you had to sleep in a bed. You had to be usually of the Catholic religion, sometimes just some form of Christian religion, but it was generally quite arbitrary, and the percentage of the population within the Angolan territory that ever came to achieve a similar status was only ever less than 1% of the population. Then you could receive a proper ID card other people could not, they had like what they had in South Africa kind of passbook.
2: It was a caste society, and the music of the Africans was not a priority.
5: The musical environment in the 1940s and 1950s was largely a Portuguese musical environment. Salazar had really encouraged the immigration of Portuguese citizens and settlers to Angola. Many of those people were meant to go settle in rural areas to set up agricultural settlements, and they didn't do that. They moved actually into the city, into Luanda. They pushed a lot of these educated, many of them self-educated, Angolans out of positions in the civil service, which is what politicized many of them and got them into the nationalist movement. So with this larger presence of the Portuguese in Luanda, these Portuguese formed various kinds of cultural associations, athletic associations, they opened music schools, they would invite Portuguese performers to come and to perform in Luanda and other cities in the colony. And so the kinds of public performances of music were largely Portuguese-based. And so these assimilados and the people in Angola Ritmos would all have been considered assimilados. These were the forms of music that they had been exposed to. Now, in their homes, they heard other kinds of music. They would have heard their grandmothers singing, their mothers and their aunts singing when they washed and cleaned. They would have gone to wakes in the Mussecs or maybe in villages outside of the city. They would have heard forms of music sung in the area around Luanda in Kimbundu. So why
2: were the members of the N'gola Ritmos arrested as of 1957, the Portuguese secret police had set up an operation to infiltrate the clandestine liberation movements, which they did quite successfully, culminating in the infamous proceso, or trial, of the 50, 50-plus 50 people, in 1959.
5: At least two or three of the members in this band were involved in these kinds of clandestine underground movements and then thrown in jail. When that happens, then this band in particular, N'Golofitmus, which had been playing music based on folk tales, traditional forms of music, the kinds of songs that were sung at wakes, at traditional ritual ceremonies and things, but playing them very often on guitars. They'd formed this kernel of an association between music and politics for the first time. And there's a huge crackdown on any kind of political organizing at all. And then in 1961, there's a huge explosion of three expressions of anti-colonial sentiment, three very strong and violent ones.
2: In Luanda, people were being jailed, disappeared, and murdered. A March 1961 massacre by the Congo rebels in the north was repaid with a much larger massacre by the Portuguese that included napalm and decapitation. The war for Angolan independence was on. And there was a new Angolan popular music emerging, sung mostly in Kimbundu, by people who didn't necessarily speak that language, but felt it was necessary to sing it as a statement of cultural nationalism. While the war was raging, mostly along and outside Angola's borders, in Luanda, the music scene was hot. Which brings us back to
0: Carlos Vieira Díaz. Carlos is saying that in that era, the music world here was very, very, very active. There were a lot of nightclubs, sports clubs, we put on shows. There was a very intense artistic nightlife. Let's jump forward to a modern production style for a moment. And let's listen
2: a bit to Carlos Vieira Díaz's new album called As Vozes de um Canto, the voices of a song. This is nzawa.
3: Gananza mi Mamá mamá, mamá mamá, 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 I'm going to bangeleze ngana nzambi mwenu mama di mama mama mama, mama, mama mama we, we, we. mama pe mama mama we, we, we. Mama, sal-a-pe, sal-a-pe, mama 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 pe mama mama sal-a-pe, mama mama mama
4: mo shinga mala mala ni bolori burisa imbo we molosota bolori burisa imbo we molosota ndo ndela mate kasi gimona mi ni na ndo ndela mate kasi yabuka, mi yabuka, ma yabuka. azega mamela, é uma agitada, com a pulga wa viu, cachorro bataria e com a pulga vem, viu, cachorro bataria e ela mamã, e ela buka lá, e ela mansa, e mamã, Bukan nah.
0: Elias Diakimuezu
2: with Diana Monzo, about a married woman with a man on the side. Elias Diakimuesu, who's now an elder of Angolan music, hails from the musek of Sambizanga. Ned, what's a musek? Hold that thought. By the way, you can go to our website, afropop.org, with photos, interview transcripts,
0: video links, and other goodies. <laughs>
2: The guitar was the instrument of choice, and though most songs were being sung in Kimbundu, possibly the best-known record today from that period, the most anthologized one turns up on every compilation was sung in Portuguese. And that would be Luis Visconde's Chauffeur da Praça," Plaza Driver. And it's significant that it's sung in Portuguese. On the surface, it's a song about an argument with a cab driver, but more deeply, it's an expression of frustration about the difficulty of getting from the colonial part of town, which is paved, to the moussék, the African part of town, which is not paved, has no running water or trash removal, and which is a cloud of dust in the dry season and a swamp of mud in the rainy season. Marissa
5: Mormon, The mousséks, which exist initially from the very early days of the city, in the 17th and 18th century within the more built stone part of the city but increasingly are being pushed out to the edges of the city and where eventually by the 1950s and 60s are where the asphalt ends and you just have sand streets so we begin to see a division between what then becomes a kind of cement downtown and a sandy streeted Musek area, on the margins of the city. That kind of distinction, that border becomes clearer and clearer, particularly in the second half of the 20th century. So there's these divisions then that become much more clear-cut in colonial society, distinctions between the Portuguese and the Angolan population. And Shofer de Prasa is the story of a young man, the narrator of the song, who's trying to get a taxi cab to take him home to the Musek and the cab driver refuses. He says, no, I won't go there, I won't ruin my car, just so you can show off to your girlfriend. I'm a chauffeur from the plaza, I'm a chauffeur from the downtown, and not a boat's captain. You cannot take this kind of a car into the Musek in the rainy season.
2: This record is very well-known, but it's the only song by Luis Visconde I know. So I asked Marissa Mormon what happened to him
5: Louise Viscon died very tragically after he got into a fight as the story goes with a taxi driver <laughs>
6: O chofer trombudo respondeu Se você quer ver seu amor Atravessar a lagoa a pé Não vou partir meu popó Só porque você quer dar show Então, chofer trombudo respondeu Se você quer ver seu amor Atravessa a lagoa P Não vou partir o meu popô, não vou partir Não Só porque você quer dar show Então, chofer trombudo respondeu Love, show. <laughs> from 1968,
0: that was Luis Visconde with Chauffeur de Praça. I'm Georges Corinne, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International.
2: While I was in Luanda, Angola, I made it a point to speak to the eminent critic and musicologist Jomo Fortunato. He's preparing a three-volume work of biographical texts about popular Angolan music, and these days he's also a TV star, because he's a judge on Angola Encanta, the Angolan American Idol knockoff. I asked him about the relationship of the mousseks, the large unpaved, informally organized neighborhoods, to popular music culture.
7: The quando analizo a música goulana, relaciono-a normalmente com os espaços, ou seja, campo, moussek, cidade.
0: is saying, when I analyze Angolan music, I normally relate it to the spaces. That is, countryside, moussek, city. The MUSEK is the great laboratory of popular Angolan music.
7: Muséc is onde areia, in opposition to the zona do asfalto. Sec é areia. Mu é, onda, é um onde, onde areia.
0: Musek is where there is sand, in opposition to the asphalt zone. Sec is a Kimbundu word for sand. Mu is a prefix meaning where, so where there is sand.
7: With the arrival of the Portuguese in um the populations were the
0: periphery. With the arrival of the Portuguese uh, in Angola, the native uh, populations uh, were removed uh, to the periphery, uh, where they created a transitional space between uh, countryside and city, the mousseque. The mousseque becomes a privileged space for the development of popular Angolan music. it was In the MUSEK, mostly Kimbundu was spoken. Then they started
2: speaking Portuguese, but they still had nuclei of communication in Kimbundu. The MUSEK felt social changes quickly. As the struggle for independence got underway, the leaders of the liberation movements were forced into exile, but that wasn't an option for everyone. Marissa Mormon.
5: It's difficult to make the choice to go off and join the anti-colonial struggle. If you, for example, have young children, it's not the kind of risk you want to take. And so some people who, if they have young children, no matter how much they support independence, they opt to stay in Angola. And what people like that do then is they begin to invest in their life locally. A number of these people begin opening up clubs in the Mussex. And we begin to see the development of a real nightlife and music scene.
2: Add to that the establishment of the first record-pressing plant in Angola in 1968, and the music scene thrived for a time. But Ned, what were they singing about? Jomo Fortunato ran down some of the subjects.
0: The son that disappeared at sea. The girl in the miniskirt that was in the 60s. Sorcery and those who were bewitched.
7: The death of a
0: loved one. Love is also in those songs. The frustration of not having gone to school, like the songwriter
2: Tetalando. Tetalando was Bakongo, born in the northern city of San Salvador, now returned to its original name of Mbansa Congo. This song, also in Portuguese, laments, I ditched school to go play ball. Check out this Congo-Cuban Angolan Guajira rock grind.
0: Dashkola, Charles Collinet, and Ned Sublett, with you on Afropop Worldwide's Hip Deep Angola, Part 1, Music and Nation in Luanda.
2: While the songs were being sung mostly in Kimbundu, the language of the Mbundu population, only about a quarter of Angolans are Mbundu. Most Angolans speak Portuguese, many speak Ovimbundu, some speak Kikongo, and there are a number of other African languages. But everyone understood that singing in Kimbundu was defiant. A dramatic performance style helped put the song across for those who couldn't understand the words. And in its formative years, Angolan popular music developed an emotive way of singing in minor keys that expressed sadness particularly well.
0: But people also needed to dance, which brings us to the band Os Kiesus. Marisa Moorman.
5: Ushkiazus is a band that emerges in the late 60s and early 70s. They're one of these classic club scene bands that emerges out of the museks. They play in these festivals that the Center for Information and Tourism begins to fund that goes from musek to musek on different weekends every Saturday, like bread and circuses, like keep the people happy. And for artists, it was great. And of course, nobody ever just went to the one in their neighborhood. If you liked the bands, even if it was the exact same lineup, you would leave your neighborhood and go to the next neighborhood on the following weekend to see the same show. So it created this huge circulation of people between these various neighborhoods, which meant that people were moving around a whole lot. And people were getting to know other neighborhoods and other sets of people that they might not have known otherwise, which is, of course, not what the government wanted or anticipated.
0: What does the name Oshkiesus mean?
5: Oshkiesus, it's a Kimbundu word that means brooms, and they got the name because they apparently made people dance so much that it raised the dust at these kinds of events or in backyard parties.
2: Dust. There it is again, the eternal condition of life in the Museks of Luanda. Dust. Não quero lá,
1: para o bango para o bango mi para o bango para o bimbi, bimbi, para o bango llegando
8: llegando.
9: Não pode ser, bem que tenha mais sentido que nós não queremos. Vão, vá se embora, isso assim não pode ser. Vão, vá se embora, isso assim não pode ser.
4: Oxi é do alto valeu.
8: Vem que tenha mais sentido e nós não queremos Vamos, vamos embora Isso assim não pode ser Vamos, vamos embora Isso assim não pode ser
0: with Milioro, a song whose playful warning to a rival band to get out of town was misinterpreted by the Portuguese. Don't forget to read Net Sublet's complete interview with Marisa Moorman, go to afropop.org. And now, it's time to talk about Samba, but first. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, that believes a great nation deserves great art and P.R.I., Public Radio International affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station.
2: Semba. Yes, a modern Angolan creation out of traditional elements, identified instrumentally with the guitar and the scraper called the Decanza. I asked Jomo Fortunato if Semba was a genre or a specific rhythm.
7: It's a rhythm, it's a rhythm a musical a Jomo is
2: saying Semba is a rhythm that
0: later becomes a musical movement and a way of being musical. The Samba is a musical genre that comes from the Masamba, characteristic of the Luanda area. An Umbigada, a belly-thrusting dance that is also synonymous with the Rebita. The Luandans dance to the beat of Masamba in the street. When it goes into the salons, it takes the name of Rebita, At that point, the accordion is introduced, and it includes some characteristic steps of the waltz. But it keeps that belly rhythm. This masamba rhythm passes over to guitar in the skillful hands of Angola Rhythmus.
2: Semba was going strong when the Portuguese cut Angola loose in 1974. Many Portuguese were convinced the Africans would massacre them and they fled for Portugal, Brazil, and South Africa. Businessmen, shopkeepers, professionals, technicians left the country, taking capital and skills with them. Carlos Vieira Dias recalled the year plus between the Portuguese coup of 74 and independence in Luanda. <inaudible> He's saying that it was a period of unrest in Luanda, during which the record factories and the nightclubs began to close. People began leaving the country and there was an interregnum of more than five years. After that, there was a scramble for power that had tragic consequences. Angolans still shudder when they remember May 27, 1977. If you were listening at the top of the show, you heard the number from the album Yuri da Cunha Canta, Artur Nunes. An album consisting entirely of high-quality new performances of songs composed and recorded by the late Artur Nunes. Here's Artur Nunes' original version of the song we began the show with. Kazuo King
10: fa mamma gandala mi kungi nila gandala mi kungi bansa isu aki fa mamma gandala mi kungi nila gandala mi kungi bansa Ndori ta tengo I ganda la ganda Mungala munga sa yanzambi so mama, Mungala sa yanzambi so mama, Mungala sa yanzambi, so Mungala sa yanzambi so hey, munga so mama, Mungala sa yanzambi. Kizwa kipefa. Gandala mi kongi dila Gandala mi kongi panza. Gandala makamba Danyangi shikile n'yangi kimbila Danyangi yem balasa yamsambi Kiso kingi pa mama Gandala mi Gandala mi kungi bansa Que si akamoné, ki moutwa, fami bongala, kunshila Su wa gandala mi kungi di gandala mi kungi bansa Bandalango <laughs> é makamba, kamba, da shikile, nangi kingile, daningi é mundala sala, mundala mama, sangama, mundala mama, mundala saibi, eh, sai zangee, eh, mundala sai mama, bala la mama, mundala saya.
11: Qué lomingue, <tose> qué lomingue, qué lomingue, qué lomingue, Oh, Il que buena no eso yo te que buena no
0: Lumingo by Urbano de Castro, and before that, Artur Nunes.
2: Along with David Ze, Urbano de Castro and Artur Nunes, these three very popular singers, were murdered in the repression that followed the events of May 27, 1977, sending a chill through Angola's music world. Marissa Mormon.
5: Urbano de Castro was very, very famous and known throughout the Musex and was seen as this kind of classic urban figure, very flashy dresser. He had his own tailor. Everyone described him as Uma Figura, you know, as this real character. After 1975, the Civil War breaks out. But even within the ruling party, the MPLA, that comes to control the Angolan state, there were divisions. And after independence, even as the civil war was going on between the MPLA and UNITA, those divisions continued to grow.
7: On May 27th of 1977,
5: there was an attempted coup by a group within the MPLA, led by a man named Nito Alves, and that coup was violently suppressed, and that suppression went on for at least two years. Thousands of people were jailed and killed. Some of the people that were killed were three of the most famous and most popular musicians, Urbano de Castro, David Zay, and Arturo Nunes. There's no way of knowing that they were killed for their political ideas necessarily. There was a lot of random and absurd killing that went on in 1977, so they might have been in the wrong place at the wrong time, but we can't say who would have put out the order or how they might have been killed exactly. It's not entirely clear.
2: Not only were they killed, but their music disappeared.
5: For a long time, nobody played their music at all. In the late 80s, there were a number of young radio DJs and radio journalists who started to recuperate music from this older generation that hadn't been played as much, and particularly the music of these three musicians.
2: What does it mean that Yuri da Cunha can now record this music?
5: Yuri da Cunha is a musician who's appeared on the scene really since 2000. And he's known also as just being a fabulous dancer. He's known for his own style of dancing. He's quite a showman. He's got a tremendous reputation for putting on amazing performances, big stage shows. So for him to reach back and to try to recover and remake this music is quite a significant move.
0: Which brings us to modern samba superstar Paulo Flores and his song Anos Depois.
2: Also a classy remake. Anos Depois means years later, and we're fast-forwarding years later now to 2002, the year the Angolan civil war finally ended. The song was composed by Rui Mingas in the 1960s, taken from a poem by nationalist poet Antonio Jacinto called Monongambe. <laughs>
12: The
5: poem was about contract workers who were forced to work by the Portuguese colonial government. They'd work for months and months. They'd be paid very little. They were poorly treated. It was essentially considered a kind of slave labor. And the poem was a critique of that, obviously. And so when Rui Mingus played this on acoustic guitar in the 1960s, when he was an athlete in Portugal, it was also seen as a critique of the colonial government. When Paulo Flores calls it Anos de pois, years later, on a disc produced in 2002 in Angola, it seems to me it reads as a critique of the ruling government in angola and the ways in which they have failed to make good on the claims of independence
12: Quantos sacrifício quantos ainda dormem quantos da cor do alme Quantos da cor do muro Do homem puro Do homem futuro Quantos já tombaram Tantos os fizeram tombar Quantos sorrisos à espera Espera do tom dos olhos Dos olhos secos Frios sem esperança Quem fez partir o sonho? Quem fez o dengue chorar? Como foi que nos deixamos sós? Como nos perdemos no tempo? tempo nos deixamos ficar Distantes como há tanto tempo Perguntem ao negro velho O que ainda lhe faz chorar Se eu partir das correntes As cartas de alforrinos a sua frente a utopia de ser gente down responded
0: Paulo Flores with Anos de Pois. Thank you, Marisa Mormon. She'll be back on future episodes of Hip Deep Angola, along
2: with our Hip Deep Angola producer, Ned Sablet. Thank you, George. See you soon. Extra, extra special thanks to Njinga Paiva and to Aaron Goldberg, Stephanie Alish, and Kavlo Wadigese. Nito Alves Audio, courtesy of Marisa Mormon. Thanks
0: to Sam Backer for his help with this program. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Join us next time for Hip Deep Angola, Episode 2, Kuduru and Beyond. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan, Franz Mernick, Daniel Linus, and Michael Johnson. Banning Air edits our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Saxon Baird, and I'm Georges Collinet.
9: P R I.